What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Vantage Point Podcast. My name is Nick, and I'm the host of this podcast. I just want to welcome back all my regular listeners and welcome any first-time listeners, um, whether you're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, or any other listening platform. I will definitely welcome you uh, to this series uh, that we're doing called What is Love? This is going to be week two. But I just want to throw out two quick reminders um, that we talked about last week. And just so you all stay connected, uh, if you're looking for a ministry or anything like that, uh, the first one, Transformation Church, shout out to TC out here in Tulsa. Uh, We're doing a a series right now called Forgiveness University, um, or FU as it's called. And yes, that is what I said, Forgiveness University. So definitely check that out. You can go to www.transformchurch.us. Uh, services start at 1045 with the pre-show. Definitely watch on YouTube, Facebook uh, as well. And then another church, awesome ministry out there in Hammond, Indiana um, called Anthem Church, where my friend, Pastor uh, Sam Hamstra, is out there doing a series right now called We the People. Uh, service times are at 9 and 11. You can also watch on YouTube and Facebook. You can also visit weareanthemchurch.com for more information. And so, Without wanting to linger anymore, we're going to jump in um, this this series we've been in. Um, if you were with us last week or if you weren't, definitely encourage you to go back and listen uh, to, to the message from last week. But we started the series called What is Love? Um, and last week we talked about loving God and loving your neighbor. And Jesus really does speak on the topic of love um, a great deal. And even as Christians, it's our responsibilities uh, to love in a world filled with what seems to be more things that are opposite of love. And so a couple of things we talked about last week is, you know, God doesn't give us specific parameters like, you know, what party or what race are you or where are you at on politics or anything like that to show love. He simply said to love, right? And what this series is going to do and what I'm praying and hoping that it does for you is it peel back, it peels back those ideas um, of love and what Jesus really meant when he tells us to do so. And then even last week we looked in Mark and we get to see the answer or at least the beginning of those layers being pulled back. And, and um, we focused on Mark 12, 28 to through 34 as our base scripture, which says you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Um, And so this week, I want to go a little bit deeper into that um, in the second part of this series, and um, which again, called What is Love? And this week, we're going to talk about loving the unlovable. Um, And so last week, we talked about redefining the word neighbor, right? Which most of us, we we saw that word as, you know, these are people that are close to us or like us. Maybe they live in proximity to us, but we really took that definition and expanded on it um, and really came up with this definition of neighbor, right? And so it's anyone and everyone um, from your biggest fan to a distant stranger to your loudest enemy. And really the truth of the matter is that while any person can fall into our lives as neighbors, they have the equal opportunity to fall in as being unlovable, right? And if we're really honest, um, we also at times have been unlovable. Um, And that may be something you don't readily agree with, but I I know I've had my moments where I was unlovable, whether that's a family, friends, or or anyone um, that... Um, that showed that, you know, that, I, that that's a possibility. And so one thing I 
I, I'm a big quote person. If you if you've been with Vantage Point, you know that I I am a will will pull a quote in a heartbeat. And so one quote that really stuck out to me, and it says that God does not love us because we are lovable, have a pleasing personality, or a good sense of humor, or at rare times show exceptional kindness. In spite of who we are and what we have done, God pour, God wants to pour out his love on us, for the unlovable are also precious to him. And that's really the, the, the message here of this, of this episode of part two of what is love is that we have to learn um, how to love the unlovable, right? And so for my first point, the first thing we really need to do when it comes to loving the unlovable is we have to get out of our comfort zone. And so point one, write it down, to love up to love the unlovable, we have to get out of our comfort zone. And let's just call out the elephant in the room. That's, that's something none of us like to do. Um, especially when it comes to love, right? We want to love our way, we want to love on our terms, and we want to love in our time. Um, but stepping out of com- stepping out of our comfort zone requires God's help. Um, and we may think our way of operating is good enough until we're told to see different, and we don't alter. And when and that's when we realize what we're missing. And um, it's interesting. We actually see this with Jesus uh, when he's talking to the rich young man who wants to follow Christ. And it's actually in Mark 10, uh, 17 through 23. And it says, as he went out into the street, a man came running up, greeting him with reverence and asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. He said, teacher, I have from my youth kept all of those things. I've done all those things since I was a little kid. And Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. And he said, there's one thing left. Jesus tells him, go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth. And come follow me. The man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. Looking at his disciples, Jesus said, Do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who, quote unquote, have it all to enter God's kingdom? And just think about what that scripture is saying for a moment. You know, this, this man, this young man, this rich young man, he thinks he's good, right? He's kept the commandments. He's, he's been good all his life and he wants to follow Christ. And in that moment, um, these things that he's been doing, they're, they're being easy to him. You know, he kind of comes off as even, oh yeah, those things. Yeah. I've done those things. Commandments. Yeah. That's, that's nothing. Right. So for him, this lifestyle he was leading was comfortable, not just being rich, but also being able to be quote unquote good, right? So his understanding was actually lacking a very important piece. And then so Jesus tells him to let go of the most valuable piece of him, his possessions. And this man, I mean, he's completely shook, right? It was the it was the last thing he expected to hear. Um, and if you really look at it from our perspective of how we want to love, we're no different than, than this young uh, this young man is, you know, we want to hold on to 
our way of love. We want to hold it on to our terms. We want to hold on to our time. And we want to love people the way we want to love them, right? But Jesus is literally telling us um, that we have to let that go, that we have to release our idea of love and embrace his. And Jesus sees love as loving the unlovable. And if we're able to let go of our philosophy of love, our way of thinking of love, this leads us to even another way, right? The, another level to how we can get to loving the unlovable. And that also kind of takes me to my second point of, you know, how do we love the unlovable? Um, we have to stop seeing people from our eyes and we have to see them from God's eyes. And, and really, what even, even when you think about this, this, this young man um, in this scripture is he had his version of what was good. He saw good in his eyes. But once he had this interaction with Jesus, he realized that there's something I'm missing that I'm not willing to let go of yet. And that ultimately challenges him to start seeing things differently and seeing him from God's eyes. So really, our second, like I said, we have to stop seeing people from our eyes and we have to see them from God's eyes. And the truth of the matter is we might not like the way people look. We might not like the way that um, somebody homeless looks or acts or somebody who's rich acts or whoever's in a position of power. We may not be... We see what we see, right? Even when you look about uh, things like racism and, 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 and even xenophobia when it comes to other races and even LGBTQ is we might, we're, we're looking at them from our eyes and those eyes are judgmental. Those eyes are, are demeaning and we just flat out don't believe that those people are lovable, right? And so it, it's really not about... Um, what we think, quite honestly, because we have to realize that we are ultimately God's representative here on earth. And what we do isn't necessarily about us. It's about God, right? And so instead of us seeing others as, quote unquote, people you don't like or people you can't love, we have to see them as people God wants to save, love, and redeem. And then we'll see the difference. But I want you to to really notice that change hasn't come up yet. We're not talking about change. We're talking about saving, right? And, and ultimately, I think sometimes we think if we go into our condition of love, we have to be the one to change them or they have to be the one to change for us to love them. But quite honestly, God is the one who does the changing. God is the one who does the redeeming. God is the one who does the transformation. And when I was writing this point... Um, and all my math people will, will love this, but there was something that popped up into me, um, and it, it's a math term, and it's called the least common denominator. Um, and if you remember that from math class, I'm not trying to give you another math headache, but um, basically what that is is you're finding the least common multiple of two or more numbers, right? So now let's take that concept with people. And ask yourself this question, what could be a way that you and I can step back for a minute and stop seeing people through my eyes or your eyes and we could see them through the eyes of God? What could be a way, right? When we really look at it, whether it's the best of us or the worst of us, the two, there are two things that are true. 
We are all God's children, and we are all loved by him. And once you strip away all the things that we see, you strip away the anger, you strip away sin, you strip away um, whatever preconceived notion, thoughts, or whatever it is, you strip that all away, take everything away. Um, whether it's a CEO, a homeless person, professional athlete, blue-collar worker, anything at all, you strip us all down to the common denominator, and we are God's children, and he loves us. And I love this quote that I found, and it says, the world we see with our senses is very different than the world we see through our essence. Our senses perceive the world of appearance, Our essence perceives the deeper layers of existence. The first step of perceiving the world of essence is to have no goal other than to understand. Understanding has to be the ultimate goal. Only then can we solve our problems. And I I really, this this might be one of the most deep quotes I think I've ever found in, in prepping a message because it really challenges our thought process because we're, we're told so much to rely on our senses, rely on our senses. And, and we ultimately take those senses and they turn into feelings and we make our decisions on how we're going to operate in the world and love the world ultimately, right? And we choose who to love and who not to love and who to talk to and who not to talk to and who to avoid and all of these things. But when we see the world through our essence, um, and, and what that really means is we start to, again, we perceive the deeper layers of existence. We see that we are God's children. We see that he loves us. And to really unlove, to, to really love the unlovable, we have to see beyond our senses. We have to focus on the stripped-down versions or essence of people. And this is what God does for us. Um, despite our actions, our mistakes, our sins and everything, God loves us. And we really ultimately find that out um, once we embrace that, uh, embrace his love for us. And that actually takes me to my third and last point. We have to embrace God's love for ourselves first. Um, and when we talk about loving the unlovable, one thing is, is definitely clear. God gives us the ultimate example of that. And in Romans 5, 8, scripture we all know tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We tend to focus, most of the time, we only focus on that verse, right? But there's a bigger chunk of Romans 5 that I want to give to you and, and hopefully it widens your focus and you're able to see another layer of that essence. And I'm actually start at verse one and go all the way to verse 11, but it says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Notice sharing it, not keeping it to ourselves. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. 
And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at the, just the right time and died for us Died for us as sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Christ has made us friends of God. I'm going to share this thing. I'm going to share this with you. The fact that God demonstrated his love and proved his love for us by offering Jesus as a living sacrifice, even though we were still sinners, even though we were still unlovable. Um, that's something that we have to go beyond just an understanding or even a citation of it out of our mouth. We have to embrace it because ultimately that helps us love unlovable people. When we understand that Jesus that God gave his son, even while we were still sinners, that that allows us to have a better understanding and, and get to the point of embracing it. Because if he can do that for us and we're called to do greater things than he and we're now the representatives of Christ on earth. How much more can we impact the world sacrificially through love, especially through unlovable people? And, you know, when you even look at verse seven, it says now, now most people would be willing to die for not most people, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be willing to die for a person who is really good sacrifice for quote unquote, good people. That's comfortable. That's easy to do. We, we do that without question, but, but I submit this to you. Can we sacrifice our senses, our conditions and our restrictions to love unlovable people. And even thinking back to our first point in the rich young, the rich young man, um, being Christ-like isn't just about following the rules. It's about adopting new understanding that requires us to go deeper and love and, and live really on new levels. And I'll close with, with this, just like I did last week. I think every, every episode in this is going to close with some questions and some things for us to take back um, and really go go ask God about it and really go into some deep thought about it. But where are you in the moment? Are you thinking about your your comfort zone when it comes to love and how can I step out of that to to love the unlovable? Or are you struggling with seeing people through um, your eyes versus the love versus seeing them through the eyes of Jesus? Or you know, and I think this one is probably one that most people won't readily admit, but are you having a tough time accepting and embracing the fact that God loves you right where you are, good and bad, unlovable and all, while we were still in our mess? He loves you. 
And if I'm honest, people don't make it easy to love them. They make choices. They say things. They do things. They may even attack us, makes us defensive, makes us judgmental, and so much more. And, and quite honestly, loving the unlovable might be the most difficult thing you'll ever do. It's going to challenge you. It's going to stretch you. But the best thing about it is, is you don't have to do it alone. There, there was another great key in Romans 5, if you, if you didn't catch it, but it was in verse 5, and it says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So you ask the question again, how do we love the unlovable? Well, God has given us. Um, it's not just about coming out of our comfort zone or seeing them through his eyes or even embracing the love that he has for us. None of that gives us, puts that puts us in a good position, but what ultimately fills our heart with his love is the Holy Spirit, which he has given to us. Why? Because he loves us that much. How dearly God loves us that he would give us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love so then we can not keep it for ourselves, but we can go reciprocate that love to people in our lives, strangers, anybody you can think of, especially the unlovable. We'll catch you guys next week on Vantage Point for week three of What is Love.